feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll up, son. You gotta just do it, yo. Yeah, man. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up, on, man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. Roll up, yeah. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime late. Cast more beef than Scarface. This call is now being recorded. Channel 10. It's on again. What up, what up? Channel10podcast.com. Um, we're just going to get right into it. We were just talking about uh, all the race issues that are going on and, you know, going back into what's happening in Baltimore. And uh, Sin was just talking about, um, I guess, racial identity and a conversation that we had previously about uh, whether or not you put down black or African American, and um, uh, I guess just uh, get back into the point that you were just making. All right. Um, well, when I think between if you, if you use black or African American, I think when you you when you use black the term black and put it down on some type of um, application or something like that, it kind of in a way takes away from the heritage that you do have here in America. And so when you and then it's just saying like you're black, so it's like it's automatically just judging judging you by like literally your your skin color, which we're told is a social construct. And then when you use the term African American, it kind of I guess it, it carries that Africanness as well as that Americanness, and especially when you use the term African American. It, it kind of it speaks to your also your the culture that the black the, the black or African American culture that has been developed here in America, and it just shows you know the heritage that you come from and the identity the black identity that has been created through the Atlantic slave trade and through how um, your ancestors who did come here and how they helped build this country, which is something that. You know, still for some reason, no one, a lot of people don't like to acknowledge, you know, and, um, <laughs> like for example, I made a joke, um, a long time ago, like a while ago when I was in Philly for that one week, and, um, we were looking, uh, I, I, I went on the tour with, um, some people, um, at University of Pennsylvania, and I was just looking around, and you just know how, like, you, if you're like in a certain place, like I guess like an Ivy, an Ivy League school place, or um, you know, I guess like a um, what was the other the other place um, in uh in Pennsylvania? Drexel. Yeah, yeah, like a Drexel, something like yeah. that. You can just feel like a certain air, or like a Howard. Mm-hmm. That, that that's like a certain atmosphere, or whatever, like that. And yeah. you know, being being at the certain Ivy League schools that I have been been to. There's always like a certain air, like the people who who walk around, who go to the school. That is, it seems as if they breathe like a certain different type of air compared to you. Yeah. And when I was walking through throughout like the campus at University of Pennsylvania, um, I was telling the people, I said, you know, it doesn't really have like an Ivy League school atmosphere. And it was funny because a lot of people agreed with me. And they say, yeah, you know, you, you do have a point there because if you go like to Princeton or Yale or something like that, it's like a, it's a certain type of air, but it's like really, it's more down to earth there or something like that. And um, I just said, like, you know, 
like the construction, <laughs> the construction, it just didn't seem overly schoolish. And I made a joke saying that, you know, like the bricks didn't have any soul in them. <laughs> Which um, some people, certain people didn't like I said that. But, um, I mean, again, I mean, it goes, it shows that, I mean, I'm sure, I don't, know, well, I don't know the history, but, you know, just black people have built shit here. That things that that still exist. You know, and yeah, just from so using like, the time uh, flat. The, the term uh, African American encapsulates all that. Right, right, right. I, you know, it's an interesting point. Um, um, and I hadn't quite thought of it that way. I always kind of looked at it like, um, like, you know, white people don't have to necessarily. I mean, you have like Italian American and stuff like that, but in general. White people have the privilege of just being labeled American, you know, mm-hmm. and you know their culture and everything is you know mainstream. And you know when you think of what it means to be an American, you don't traditionally think of a black person. You know we are always looked at as the other, you know, the ones with the hyphenated name and stuff like that. So it's almost like they don't even want us here. They don't even consider us Americans. And in my experience, the only time I get called an American is when I'm talking to, you know, people from the Caribbean and they just say, you're American. But no white person has ever called me American, you know. So my whole thing was, you know, I'm not an African-American because... You know, I've never been to Africa, though I'm from uh, of African descent, and in America doesn't want to consider me an American. So it's like I don't necessarily feel like that title is fitting. And then I guess I felt like um, I guess I kind of felt like through slavery, kind of um, you know, our history was knocked out. And it's kind of like, you know, we can trace our roots back, but we, you know, it's hard for a lot of us to do it directly. So, you know, just black just always seemed more fitting, you know, not just because of skin color, but just because, you know, you just look back and just, it's just, I guess, dark, you know, because you can't see back, but so far. But um, I guess to fit, what you just said and what I just said together um, recently, because, you know, like we've gone from being niggers to Negroes to coloreds to Afro-American to now, I guess, African-American. And um, I was listening to something, I think it was on NPR recently, about how now, uh, I guess, they, whoever they are, but the group that decides this thing for all of us, um, I guess... Their new, their new decision of what we're going to be called is um, Americans of African descent. Okay. So that way we can be acknowledged as African, I mean, um, as Americans, and also acknowledge that we're of African descent, but not necessarily saying that we are African but, you know, acknowledging our history here and that black history is American history and putting that American there first. So 
I don't know how you feel about that, but the way that it was, you know, described and I guess my problems with all of the other uh, terms that we've been called, I I think that's the best one. Yeah, I think the only real critique that I heard of it is that it just has too many syllables. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's my main thing, too. It just has it's too much going on. That's why I think um, African-American is, is better. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to, you know, I guess, you know, where, like, you know, our lineage and where we come from and whatnot, uh, you know, we can look at St. Patrick's Day and how you have all these people jumping up and down with their green bear and shit and Celts or kilts, you know, saying they're, they're Irish because, you know, their grandfather told them or something like that. But they don't really exactly know they're Irish, but for but for, what, for, but for whatever reason, they, they claim their heritage, you know? Yeah. So, so I think, I mean, cause it, it seems like, I mean, a lot of people... You know, a lot of, of Americans, since we, I guess, since we are so-called, you know, the melting pot or whatever, a lot of, a lot of people, they love to trace, to, to, to trace their, you know, their ancestry to see where their people came from. Um, and it seems like it's just an American thing to do. So I, I just think that African American is, is suitable. I mean, because, I mean, it, 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 I think that's also an example of our heritage and that, you know, we weren't exactly supposed to be here. We were kind of forced to, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I guess, so you say that uh, we should stick with uh, African-American and that should be the final thing, I guess, until uh, everybody's all one thing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what, the time, that Time Magazine article from years back said, what, like 20, 30 or something like that, so 2050. <laughs> mm. Yeah, whatever it says, so I, I think we may, oh, actually, no, I think we're much longer than that. I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to I think, um, I don't know, I, I still like, even though it's a lot of syllables, I still like American of African descent for now, but I'm still kind of in the air. I, you know, I haven't thought about bringing colors back. <laughs> oh, well. Just for my own personal use. <laughs> well, I don't know, you know, that's the thing, you know, like Negro and color, they're, they're really frowned upon. I, well, I know, especially like in academia, you know, people have called me, I don't use that term. Which I mean, well. You're using it in context of your research, right? And what you know, what the topic is. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm doing. But I mean, but then sometimes you have to tell them, like, well, I'm black, you're not. So why, you, so how, how are you telling me how to address my the, the people I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel I feel that way too. Like, I mean, this has nothing to do with you. This is all me right here. Um. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, it's interesting because, um. I guess it probably wasn't until when did uh, the term Afro American um, start getting used? Uh, like the seventies? Yeah, I think the seventies. Yeah, I think that was probably the first time that we actually had a say in what we were even called. That's the thing, but then why does that be Afro American? Because then it, it really goes back into like physical features, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I don't know, it's 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 really interesting because um you know, I wonder, um like, you know, when you talk about 
the um, colonization of Africa itself um, and how the lines were drawn on a on a map and you know sometimes it was drawn on like a napkin at lunch for you know the European uh, conquerors or whatever um, how you know they drew these lines with these different tribes and everything that didn't necessarily um, and I hate that word tribe but um, you know these these different cultural groups of people that didn't necessarily go together. So they draw these lines around it. And so, like, let's say, um, you know, you might have a country like Ghana or something like that, and you have, like, three different tribes. So now they're all classified as, you know, Ghanaian to, I guess, the mainstream white world or whatever. But, you know, to themselves, they're whatever tribe they come from, you know. Yeah. So I wonder if they might be like, you know, and excuse my ignorance because I don't know which um, groups of people are in these countries. But, you know, are people like, do they say I'm Igbo Ghanaian or, you know, I'm Igbo Cote d'Ivoirean or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, like, I wonder, you know, because I don't think... I don't think that we're the only uh, groups of people in the diaspora who kind of deal with these types of issues, you know. Oh yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we don't. I mean, look at uh, what is it, Kenya? Mm-hmm. You know, the issues and um, what's the uh, and uh, oh yeah, in uh, Sudan and how it, it split up. Yep. And then you look at uh, Rwanda and Burundi and the Hutu and the Tutsi. Yes, yeah, actually, that's what I meant. And then, uh, instead of Kenya, actually, no. but Kenya probably does too. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I will say that I think that at least for at least here, I think it's a bit more simple. It's not as complex as it is um, over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, it is, it is. I guess it is more complex. You know, when once we have, um, you know, people. You know, like, like, you know, Ethiopians and Nigerians will come into the country and, you know, they don't want to be labeled as um, black. They want to be labeled as African or something yeah. like that. I guess, yeah. I guess um, we have a degree of complexity that I think has been kind of here for a while, but I think hip-hop really, um, really highlighted it and kind of furthered it. And that's um, the regional aspect of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if you, you know, accept that hip-hop or, you know, rap music in particular is a black art form, and then you look at how we're African-Americans, but then you have these uh, wars like the East Coast and the West Coast, and then you have, you know, the North versus the South, and you have all these cultural differences between African Americans within America that are brought on by different ways of life, which are just, you know, brought on by various things. Like we talked previously about um, how the uh, subway culture of New York influenced music versus the way the car culture of the South influenced you know, their music. And mm-hmm. 
So it's kind of like um, those those complexities and differences within African Americans uh, are kind of highlighted through through hip hop, I believe, sometimes. And I guess it shows that you know, as much as they try, and they being you know the mainstream media or the mainstream American consciousness, as much as they try to. Uh, classify African American as one monolithic group of people, you know, how much we're really not and how dealing with those struggles creates, you know, I guess growing pains within African Americans. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I never I never um never thought of it thought of it that way. Um I mean, but I think you can you can do that with um you know other genres too you know like in uh, Chicago and there um like Chicago the the uh, Chicago style of blues and Memphis yeah um how they how they're different um but I don't know I mean you know you can go to any different region um and notice certain things you know whether they be black or white the people and how, and how they move around or something like that yeah that's true and I guess. Um, I guess, you know, to take it to, like, a bigger question, it kind of makes you think, like, in 2015, what is an American, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Because I think that, um, you know, at, you know, at a time, kind of the yeah, traditional thought of an American is, like, like a southern Texas good old boy or, you know, some type of cowboy western type of thing with a certain way of speaking. And then, you know, then you have the New York version of an American. And I wonder which one people um, across the world kind of uh, equate to America because, you know, America is a world unto itself. It's so big. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, there was, you know, that the time when I told you in L.A. when that professor, he... She pulled me and um, my roommate at the time aside, you know, after, you know, because we kind of told um, her about our experience in the elevator when it came to these Japanese people um, who were there for some type of summer program to, I guess, to learn English. And the way they react, I mean, well, actually, the way all of them reacted to us because we had um, a lot of a lot of them on our, on our floor. And, you know, she told us that you got to understand that, you know, the way America is, you know, portrayed around the world is portrayed as, you know, these, these white people who live, who still like live in like a picket, a picket fence and shit like that from the 50s and 60s. And they don't really know that black people are actually here, although they know, but they just never really see them. And especially, you know, if you have, because we both had hair and then, you know, we're, we're rather tall too. So you see these big blacks. So she just said, just imagine you come to America and think about all the, you know, she said, think about all the stuff that you heard about from the 50s and the 60s about how Beaver. great it is. Huh? I said, like, leave it to Beaver and Andy Griffith. Yeah, yeah. I think she did say, like, leave the Beaver, too. I think she did say that. And then you just come here and you're just like, wow, I want to learn English. And next thing you know, you're in the elevator with these two dark, these two these two dark men with this hair all over his and they're, and they're way taller than, than what I am. <laughs> I don't know if she had to put the taller part in there, but I, I saw her point. <laughs> I guess the, uh, 
I guess the uh, imposing uh, stature <laughs> of the black man in the elevator. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, but you know, it, it is interesting. You know, like especially since you know the way the civil rights, you know, how Martin Luther King did, you know, like did his his things with like the dogs and his group rather. And how, um, you know, they wanted it to be all over, like, the, the all over the, all over the TVs, all over the world. And it's funny how we still have to, like, I guess America is still portrayed in, in a different light. And I guess, in, I guess in, in a, in a classical sense, I guess, if you, want, if you want to call it that, compared to, I guess, the 60s when they did see what was going on here. Yeah, I think, I think now they're, um, I don't know, like, oh, yeah, I meant to tell you, I guess uh, <laughs> maybe I'll find out soon, uh, you know, how we're perceived because uh, I just got my uh, passport today. It finally came in the mail. But, um, like, I think they're seeing it again because of, you know, the Internet and news media. Um, and, I, you know, I said this before, like, especially here in Baltimore, like, um, during the whole thing with the riots, you know, you had people from the Russian television service and you had people from CCTV, which is the Chinese news service, and you had um, Al Jazeera. You, like, they had reporters here on the ground that were broadcasting back. And then, you know, there was that whole thing of um, when um, the uh, one of the spokespeople for Iran said, you know, you criticize us. I'm talking about Americans, but, you know, look at how you treat your minorities. <laughs> yeah. And I think I saw recently, um, it might have been like Iran's supreme leader or something like that, it says something like Black Lives Matter. So, nope. you know, I think uh, I think certain, uh, certain countries are definitely highlighting the uh, unrest, which um, is now, I guess, people are uh, coining it with the new term, the Black Spring. You know, like the uh, Arab Spring. Yeah, so so they're, so that is highlighting America as the Black Spring. I mean, for right now, I mean, because, you know, you look at, um, what was that, like last summer or two, or two summers ago when uh, all those Arab countries, um, people revolted and overthrew the government? And it's like yeah. now... You know, you have all these uh, protests and, you know, a riot here and there um, that's happening. And it's weird because, you know, people are paralleling it to, you know, what's going on over there. And now, sure. you know, they're calling it the Black Spring. Maybe they should call it the African-American Spring. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, America has been, like, in this militant type of protest vibe for, you know, for almost, like, seven years. You know, because um, pretty much, you know, you had Occupy Wall Street that that was around for a good while, and then when that once that died down, then it kind of for the for the most part went straight to Trayvon. Yeah. Yep. And then it just kept building and building, and um, it was to the point where um, I don't know if you remember during the um, protests in Ferguson, um, people over in Palestine they would you know, tweeting in solidarity with uh, the people in Ferguson. And um, they were tweeting out tips 
on how to deal with the uh, officers when they hit you with the riot gear and, you know, what to do when you get tear gas and all that type of stuff. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, like the Chinese proverb says, you know, me, you live in interesting times and, uh, this is uh, definitely interesting. You know, people like my mother say, you know, they never thought that they would see something like this again. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I'd see. I mean, I never thought I would well, see that this uh, that this early, at least. I mean, I predicted this uh, years ago. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> That's what yeah, you did about the uh, revolution was coming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it. I mean, cause, I don't know, I mean, it's just, you know, when I was in college and, you know, just talking to various people and they were always, you know, saying, you know, you just on you on that shit and, you know, niggas not on that no more, you know, niggas don't care about it, niggas are doing good now. Like, someone actually told me niggas are doing good now. <laughs> and... And so, and I, this is what's, like, frustrating about this, like, what's going on, like, after all this shit, me struggling with, you know, these ideas and, you know, just how I felt being in this island niggas half the time and now look, now look what happens. I wonder what they're saying now. They're probably not saying anything. They're probably just protesting and then, they, and then afterwards they go back and they go, they go back to that, that church and the mosques and shit like that, just like how people did here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I do think that, you know, people are on different levels, you know, and um, I think it's important to remember, like, even back in the 60s when, you know, King was doing his thing and organizing and mobilizing people, that was, like, not representative of the, uh, of all black people at the time, you know, a lot of black people at the time, they did look at King as a troublemaker, someone who was coming to that town to, you know, rile things up and cause havoc. White people and black people, you know, thought that, um, you know, for their various reasons. And so, um, and then you might have had people who were for it, but didn't participate as much as people who were like, like right in there in the mix of the action. And then you probably had people who were in the mix of the action who maybe didn't understand, you know, they might have been marching, but, you know, maybe they didn't necessarily understand um, the whole philosophy and, you know, everything that was going on. You know, they just wanted to, you know, be a part of it because they knew something was going on. So I think it's kind of similar here to where you have like a small group of people who, you know, really research and organize and are up on everything and know what's going on and, all of that, and then you have various degrees of uh, people who are, I guess, aware and participating under that, you know? And yeah. I think, and I think when history, you know, looks back at this time, maybe 30 years from now, it might appear that black people across the country were up in arms and, you know, fighting for this revolution and stuff like that when... You know, at this time now, we know now that, you know, there's a wide spectrum of different views on what's going on. Oh, yeah, that's very true. I mean, even um, looking at our own family mm -hmm. and um, how 
I'm not sure about your mother, but, you know, my mother told me that she wanted to be a Black Panther. She went to, like, you know, I think one or two of the meetings, and she was thinking about communism and shit like that. But, uh, you know, our grandmother sat her down and talked her out of it. Mm, the dirty C word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's very true. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm just... uh you know, I guess, like I've been saying for, I guess, over the past two episodes, that I hope it's not in vain. Yeah, I mean, if anything, um, I guess the common, or one of the common uh, views is that those six officers wouldn't have even been charged if the shit didn't go down the way that it went down here. So, I guess, that is one, um, I guess, hopeful point that, you know, it didn't go down the vein. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's hopeful. I mean, that's, uh, that's enough for me for right now, I guess. You know, we'll see how everything uh, unfolds. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like how we, how we, we were talking off air and, you know, we, we know that Baltimore is small enough to literally burn down in a in a very in a rather short time if it really wanted to. <laughs> I mean, you know, we could have a great Baltimore fire part too. Yes, yeah, that you know, in the the Great Baltimore Fire, you know, I mean, the city has been in flames before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hmm, that's interesting because you know, like at one point, you know, how Baltimore, I guess, was like the Nineteenth, eighteenth century. It was like a, it was like a really big city, and then I guess by the time like the Baltimore fire came, that was around the time when it started to decline. And, and then um, you know they brought in like racial zoning laws, which were which were pretty much the laws that damn near every other state based their laws around on when it came to how to deal with like the, this influx of black people around the time of the Great Migration, and um. And then, you know, I guess after that, after the fire, it just, like, just went straight downhill for the most part, kind of, sort of. And, and now, I guess, since Baltimore is becoming more, more prosperous, I guess, in a way, then, like, the riot happens, or, or just when Baltimore is starting to, like, try to get, like, back on its feet, then this happens. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think... You know, we have to be careful about using a certain type of language because, you know, when you say when Baltimore is starting to get back on its feet and is more prosperous, you know, that's that's uh, a very confined area, which is like, I guess right now all the development is focused on, you know, Harbor East and, uh, you know, Fells Point and all that type of stuff, which is really, really, really nice. And then, yeah. you, you know, you drive up Park Heights or you know, up Pennsylvania Avenue and some of those back streets around there. And, you know, it has a third world country type of look. Like if you look at, you know, a third world country on the movies <laughs> and like, you know, the way everything looks all run down and stuff, you know, there are definitely some neighborhoods that look like that here. Yeah, well, you know, well, I, I guess I... I... When I do when I do say prosperous, I kind of I kind of mean it mean it you know as in quotes. But I mean, over to me personally, if you go back seven years ago, every part of Baltimore just fucks. 
And <laughs> because I mean, and I think it was like a meme that I, maybe you sent me or someone sent me, and it, it said like you know Baltimore before the riot and after the riot, and it, it was just like the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why I mean. And, and you know, I mean, I guess if you want to, if you want to be political, you want to go about what Ra- Stephanie's Ra- Stephanie Rawlings Blake said. You know that you gotta kind of do it from the business standpoint, and then prosperity will eventually come to everyone else. Um, although I don't exactly believe that all the way, but it's a, I guess it's a step in the right direction because I mean, when you know I was ten, Baltimore was just fucked up all the way around. The harbor was shitty. People were always getting riled around the harbor. You go back on the west side around Penn North, it was just shitty. And Penn North was the same as it always did. At least something got some type of shine in the city. I don't know. That's it. I mean, that is true. Um, and it's funny the way you put that about the whole business um, aspect of it. Because that sounds like um, it's funny because, you know, Stephanie Rollins Blake is a, a Democrat and. You know, what you just said is basically trickle-down, you know, good old uh, Republican trickle-down economics, which um, I will say there's definitely a point to it. Um, But I do think that um, it can be spread out a little bit more, you know? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think that, too. And um, I think, um, didn't we talk about... uh, um, I guess the uh, the political atmosphere of Baltimore, like two episodes ago or one episode ago, about yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and how when um, that you know Baltimore has been so immersed in, I guess you know, the democratic um, I, I, the ideals of the Democratic Party that they start looking Republican. And this is the, I mean, like what she said there was like a, was a, a clear example. Um, and you know, because everything she's doing is based around business, the Grand Prix, um, even like the, um, the the farmers market, and how she allowed food stamps to be worth like twice as much. At, at the at, yeah, and so pretty much she's like, all right, if we want to give you niggas these food stamps, then you're gonna have to come and start eating better, be, so so y'all can. Keep on working when we fix Harper Easter. <laughs> that's how that's how I saw it when that came out. And then you know her thing about the ten thousand immigrants over like ten years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I you know I do. Um, I don't know. Like I guess this isn't like a popular uh, thought, but you know I do commend her for some of her initiatives and some of the risks that she took. Like um, I guess with the Grand Prix because. I feel like sometimes you just have to try things and just, you know, just go hard with it and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. Um, even though that whole thing was just horrible for me, <laughs> trying to get I mean, around on the bus during that was just, oh man. Yeah, I mean, like the, I mean, I, I see your point, but there are certain things you just shouldn't do, like, if I'm a mayor of a, like a, a weird city like Baltimore, the last thing I would think about bringing to the city is a Grand Prix. <laughs> I mean, because like you know, like the 
I think I read some type of article in the Sun a while, like you know, when, around the time when it happened, and they were talking about how, um, you know, like the streets aren't built to have these type these, these weird cars, just like you know, just doing what it's doing and stuff like that, and that's going to that's going to cost the city more money. Um, and I think it was the Grand Prix. You know, was it, it, I mean, um, yeah, you know, like that. I mean, I mean, it probably was, but I think the whole thing was. She was trying to get some money because, like, they had to fix or, like, they had to do something to the streets um, to get it ready for the Grand Prix. And somehow that was supposed to fix the streets and refortify them, you know, spreading out in other areas, too. Whether or not that actually happened, I don't know. But driving around, I don't think it did because the uh, condition of the streets and the potholes are just tremendously horrible. Oh, you're talking about the um well, you know you know the the, the orange cone project that she had or has? I vaguely remember that. Okay, well remember when you whenever you come over my house and then they were they repaved like the whole the whole street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean now I'm thinking maybe the money came came from that. I'm not I'm not sure though. I think I think some of that though might have been stimulus money from the bailouts that came from the federal government to the state and then to the city to where to put people back to work they were um you know doing this infrastructure type stuff so people could get those construction jobs but mm-hmm. some of that might have been the grand prix money as well I'm not sure um but I mean it didn't do much I mean drive up just the main thoroughfare like Liberty Heights and it is a rough ride. <laughs> as soon as you cross, you know, no pun intended. But, um, you know, it's interesting because like I always find as soon as you cross the county line, you don't have to deal with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like even on a highway, like I might be riding um, in the city on I-70 and it might be kind of rough and bumpy and stuff. And as soon as you get to that part where it says, welcome to, you know, Baltimore <laughs> County, all of a sudden the ride is so much smoother. You, you know, I always, um, I asked, um, in, in high school, I asked my U.S. Constitution um, teacher about, um, like, state state lines or, like, you know, any type of, like, county line or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, cause I, and, I'm, and he didn't really have the answer, though. Like, you know, when, when you see, like, the sign, it's like saying, you know, welcome to Baltimore. When you pass through, I mean, like, wh- like where where is that line? Is it, like, right before you pass that sign? Is it after you pass the sign? Like, you know, what is that exact point? I was thinking about that the other day, actually, because I was riding up Bel Air Road, or riding down Bel Air Road, and it said, and I was coming from the county into the city, and... It said, Welcome to Baltimore. And I remember, I forget the name of the street, but I was looking on the map for what exact street um, where the county city line was. And I believe that the sign was before the actual um, street where the the line was. So I'm not sure if that's the case in all cases, and it kind of doesn't make sense to me because why would the county allow you to put? Why would the county allow a city to just put a sign for their city <laughs> in their county? 
I mean, yeah. what if we're paying for that with our tax dollars to have it there? But yeah, uh, yeah, the sign was was a little bit before you get into the um, into the city. Okay, because um, the, well, my my teacher he said that it just really depends on how they do it. So he said that you know it could be right, it could be like you know a good while before you even you even pass that sign that you're already in that area. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that before too. Now I think about it. Oh well, were you pulled over something and then they like this like some county law shit on you? No, no, it wasn't that. I just remember um. When you cross over, and because like sometimes they have more than one sign, so like mm-hmm. um, I remember when I used to go out to Pennsylvania a lot of '83. Um, there used to be like like there was a point where you knew that you were crossing over into Pennsylvania, and you drive up a little bit more, and it says "Welcome to Pennsylvania." Okay. Like with the nice sign with the flowers or whatever they have or whatever. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, it's funny, like, um, <laughs> you know how, like, you know, when, when you're, like, um, when, when you're driving up way past my dorm and, and you see, like, uh, the Welcome to, to the, the Park Heights community sign? Yeah. You know how those Park Heights people are? So I wonder if you're just walking, right, and you're just, like, right there before the sign, you know. Like, it would be funny, like, if they actually, like, look at, like, the uh, the actual lines that you got to cross to actually be in that territory. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I mean, I'm sure, like, if you're, like, if you're just there there's, and they happen to be coming around, you're just like, yeah, nigga, you're like, you're in our, you're in our spot. What are you doing around here? And you just be like, well, I haven't passed the sign yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because, you know, on the other end of Park Heights, there's that invisible sign. <laughs> Or that invisible line uh, across Northern Parkway. And, you know, one side of Northern Parkway, you're in Jewtown, and the other side, you're in uh, Negro Town. <laughs> oh, yes, right. Yeah, that Park Heights is, is, was mad weird. Especially I mean, those but, oh, um, I mean, I mean, Baltimore City is mad weird. And, like, you know, when I have people come down from New York, they always are like, it's crazy because one minute you'll be in like the worst ghetto imaginable, and then the next minute you're driving through like some type of forest, mm-hmm. or like you know big houses and stuff like that. I mean, well, I, mean, I guess New York isn't as bad as Baltimore, but I mean, you can take a look at Harlem. Oh yeah, Harlem is so fucked up right now. Um, I guess that comes with um I guess that type of uh stratification of a, of a small area comes with uh gentrification. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um in, in um in Brooklyn as well. You know, yeah, actually it is. Um like the that that whole prospect park park area. Yeah. And how it's like right kind of like it seems it seems I don't know maybe I'm wrong but it seems like the uh, the the art museum is like kind of like in the middle of everything it's kind of in between like I guess like the, like the rough area and the the nice history area yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah it does seem that way but then you look at a place like I guess you know, you know when I think of Queens it's kind of like 
the uh, pockets of of rough poverty and the pockets of the nice area, the lines are more, you know, delineated. So mm-hmm. it's like you're not necessarily just driving up one street and it just goes from, like, hood to nice to hood, like, three times before you're, you know, a couple miles up the block or up the street. Yeah. No, it's one thing I will say about Park Heights, though, is that, and I think we talked about this, like, over the years, is that for whatever reason, they have, like, a really nice welcoming sign. <laughs> and why is that? Like, so it's all right. You think it would, like, it would be beat up by, like, you know, at, at this point? Uh, I mean, they keep that sign up. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe they uh, replace it every, you know, so often or whatever. Maybe it's a sign to come of, you know, a change that might be happening in the next couple of years. Because I remember, um, I remember when when uh, we used to live in uh, Waverly, and it was it was pretty bad when I lived around there, and yeah. it had a really nice sign. And now, you know, the area that I lived in is not really bad at all. I yeah, man, like. Uh, apartment building with where that was a drug house and they knocked down some stuff and put up a grocery <laughs> store and got all kind of trees and white people riding bikes and jogging. Yeah, man, like um like when um because when I went to the uh, the farmers market with y'all at one time, that was like my first time I actually like stepping foot in that area for I don't know how like I mean I, I would drive past it but like stepping foot in that area, I'm like, God damn it shit has changed. Yeah, and, you know, I never, different feeling than when I used to live around there. Yeah, like, I never thought that, when, I've never thought that, you know, I would ever go to that place again, like, you know, walking around it and coming and stepping out of the car, people would be looking at us or looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really interesting because, you know, you just kind of fit in, you know, back in the day, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, the stadium, they put that nice uh, YMCA up there and everything. And see, that's the thing. Like, whenever, um, you know, like here, when I talk about, you know, when people want to talk to me about Baltimore, they, they talk about how beautiful it is and how beautiful downtown is. And I'm always thinking in my head, you know, are you talking about, like, the new downtown or are you talking about, like, the old downtown from, you know, 2000, late 90s? <laughs> I have got to ask, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. But um, then I know... There's a change in right in front of our eyes. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, a lot of shit has changed. And, um, you know, like, my, like I mean, come on, my darling. I mean, at this point, the way it's changed, the only thing that, that they haven't done is, is put that movie theater in that they've been talking about for so long. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do see the signs of the TGI Fridays that's supposed to come there. What? <laughs> oh, no, why are they doing that? <laughs> I mean, maybe they won't now, but, I mean, the TGI Fridays up Town is ratchet enough. <laughs> I mean, that's the last thing they need, like, because we always say, like, a movie theater will just be the worst. Just imagine a TGI Friday. Bananas, 92Q is going to be broadcasting live from there like every night. 
Oh, that's right, yeah, because they they wouldn't go into the, the Applebee's on uh, Route 40 anymore. And, yeah, and then, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, financial queue's going to be there. It's going to be like, you got to have ID and be 21 and over after a certain time. <laughs> oh, man. And I don't know. I don't know. That's cold. <laughs> yeah, and... It's, I don't know, man. They shouldn't, I don't know. They shouldn't do that. But then I also, I think that it kind of takes away from the aesthetic of Mondawmin that it really wasn't, you know, like Mondawmin has never really been like a, a mainstream mall to a certain extent. Because even like, you know, certain stores that they had in there, they were like really kind of like mom and pop stores. So it just had that Baltimore feel. And they've been slowly but surely taking away that shit with like the Target, although it is very convenient. Yeah. And, and you know other things too that that have come into into the store. Like I mean, come on, for for the uh, subscribers and the listeners, if you guys go back to uh, for episode three, pimp juice in your mouth. Mm-hmm. How would I have been able to tell that story if it wasn't for the random store that's always been there for years, right there at the back on the second floor? You know. That's yeah, true, but I guess <laughs> I, I guess before our time, you know, McDonald, um, uh, I was about to say McDonald. Um, <laughs> Mondalman did have, um, he used to have anchor stores and stuff like that, um, at a time, but it's interesting how it's able to thrive without that, but, you know, apparently that's like the highest grossing mall in the country, and, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken to people who aren't from here, and they come here a lot of times just to go to Mondalman. Yeah, no, um, uh, do you, do you remember, like, the Combat Jack episode when they were talking about Air Forces and how, um, Premium yeah. Pete, yeah, he said, yeah, and he had to go all the way back, all, all the way to Baltimore to get this one color, or whatever he was talking about. Yeah, because, uh, Air Force Ones, they were made, um, in Baltimore, I believe, or something like that. Yeah, I remember, yeah, they had, like, the, like, that big, that was, like, the 30-year anniversary of Air Forces here, or something like that. Yeah, having to redo the mall for that. And um, I took yeah. a picture. They had those. Um, they had like these ten thousand dollar pair of Air Force Ones with uh, like gold aglets on the shoelaces. Oh, that's that's what they called the uh, tips of the shoelaces. Yeah, I never knew they were called aglets. Yep, aglets. Hmm. It sounds it sounds really medieval. For some <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. It probably is if you look up the etymology. <laughs> um, but you know, then I know that you know my dorm it didn't have a roof or whatever like that. At one point, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Grandma used to tell me that yeah, it didn't have a roof. My mother, um, she, uh, she, 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 uh, she told me too. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. They never had answered my question though. I, like you know, what, if it rained, what would y'all do? Like, what would like the mall do? And from what I can recall, no one has ever answered my question. <laughs> so now I'm starting to question whether if it was really like that or not. Unless it was like some type of open air type mall, but I don't think it ever was because they didn't start making those um, those until like way later. Yeah, so, and then I mean, even like the even like the name on Dom and you know how it comes from like an, a Native American god is crazy enough to me. You know, it's interesting. I was I was always wondering about that name, and I figured that it had something to do with uh, Native Americans. 
Yeah, I think we had a. Yeah, I think you're the one who like who who who, uh, who reminded me about it when you sent me that thing. No, oh, maybe maybe I did know. I, I'm getting old because sometimes I forget things <laughs> that I knew. Yeah, because I think you you hit me up like specifically like you know some some years ago and you said you know that my dom is based around you know like some 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 Native American god and I said yeah I, 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 and you reminded me of it and it's um some like corn god or something like that you god of corn in some Native American culture and I don't understand why it is and actually um oh that's right because um. It's something about I think the person because I thought my dorm and it used to be like some type of plantation or something like that or some some big mansion. Yeah. Yeah, it was called. Yeah. See, all this is see, see, this is why African American <laughs> is a perfect term, so so people so people can be reminded of that type of shit. Yeah, I mean, it's weird um, when you drive through an area and you try to envision what it was before, you know, what it is now. And, like, when you look at the names in the streets and, you know, it's like, how did this street or how did this area get this name? Like, you're in the middle of Baltimore City. Why is there a place called Mondalman? Like, who yeah. was Mondalman? <laughs> yeah, or uh, Marketplace. Yep. And, um, but I think the, the arena... I think about it. I think that's where um, it's one one of the places where they would um auction slaves off. But I know that like where, where the arena is, that's you know called the Royal Farms Arena for whatever reason. Um, that's where uh, that was like the capital for a time when like Washington and then they had to they had to leave Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And supposedly that's some type of like um what do you call it, like a plaque commemorating that, but I've never seen it. Mm. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. I just knew that that the Capitol was here for a brief uh period of time. Yeah, no one ever talks about that either. <laughs> mm. That's crazy. Uh, that's crazy, just all the history that we just don't know. Yeah. Um I mean I mean even I guess like the the Star Spangled Banner and how, you know, I guess um around the time of the eighteen the the war of eighteen twelve and how, you know, the Port of Baltimore was like a really big thing for the British to like you know to maintain and take. Yep, and uh Francis Scott Key wrote that poem that was eventually set to the music of was it like an Irish uh bar song about drinking? I believe so, and see, there you go, that heritage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny though, like, cause um, did, did you ever come to the, to the historical society to see it? I didn't. So, oh, that's right. All right. Um, it's funny, you know, it's funny how when you like you hear about these things and how like they they talked up so much, and then when you see them, it's like just a piece of paper writing <laughs> on it. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's way smaller than what you like than what you imagine it to be. Mm. So that yeah, always um, did it fill you with a uh, feeling of uh, pride and patriotism? Uh, no, it didn't. Although because because um you know Francis Scott Key he had he did have slaves at one point I believe, but then um after a while he like sold them or something, and then he kind of became like a civil rights 
you know, like one of those early like civil rights type of lawyer people, and he would fight cases with slaves, I think. Um, but he supposedly came from some big slave family or some shit, of course. Although, I mean, it's not surprising. You know, I mean, at this point, whenever I see a white person, I just assume that, you know, their ancestors probably they own slaves. I mean, so it was a regular thing. Yeah, that is true. Um, even though the point was made to me recently that, because um, I think I said that, um, and um, it was said to me that, you know, a lot of people came over here through, you know, a lot of white people, they ended up here through, like, Ellis Island, and they were immigrants and stuff, like, way after slavery. I was like, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's, yeah, that is true. It's not really, well, I guess it is talked about quite a bit, actually. Yeah, so it's like, I think, I think, you know, that's something that, you know, we kind of tend to forget, even though a lot of, even though, like, um, a lot of times, you know, people came over here, they still had advantages that, you know, we didn't have because even though they might have been in a messed up situation, they didn't have to uh, deal with Jim Crow. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess even with, uh, you know, like the slaveholders, you know, that was that was very much so a minority, man. The great majority of white people, they weren't slaveholders. Yeah. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, I was um, I was disturbed earlier. I haven't looked into this um yet, but um, I saw something. Now, mind you, it was on Inflex We Trust, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was from today. Apparently, uh, a black man in Georgia was found hanging from a tree. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, remember the thing about Mississippi? Now, uh, do you know if that was true or not? Um, which thing? Um, just like a month ago or so, some guy was like, reportedly found, that he was found, excuse me, to be hanging from a tree. Um, I do, was that, was that in uh, Mississippi or was that in New Jersey? Because I remember something like that in New Jersey. I think it was Mississippi. My mother was she kept she kept talking about it for a while. Uh, I think um, I think uh, I don't know if they ever decided whether or not he was hung from a tree or whether he committed suicide. That's I mean that's what they were trying to say that he committed suicide. Okay. I mean, but you know, there's always um, there's always been at least like you know one or two you know like lynchings um, every here and there all throughout the years. That's true. Oh, yeah, I see the news story. Um, I see the news story here from myfoxatlanta.com. It says, uh, investigators with the GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, I never knew such a thing existed, <laughs> um, <laughs> said the man hanging from a tree in Greene County, Georgia, Monday morning was previously questioned in a homicide investigation. A spokesperson for the Greensboro Police Department told News Radio 106.7, Natalie Pozo, that a 43-year-old African-American man was found hanging from a tree just after 11 a.m. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation said Roosevelt Champion III was found dead in a brushy area behind a home 
in the 600 block of, guess the name of the street. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what, what, uh, what, uh, I guess the name of the street that the, uh, man was found hanging on. Uh, Black Street. No, not Black Street. Um, White Street. Not White Street. All right, I give up. Martin Luther King Jr. Drive. (laughs) (laughs) My God. Oh, man. You know, I will say one thing about the Boondocks. I will say that they kind of got it right when they did that uh, that episode about Martin Luther King, what he would think about what's going on there. I mean, you know, even even if uh, this wasn't some type of racially motivated uh, thing that happened, just for a black man to be hanging from a tree in the sixth, like in a brushy area behind a home in the 600 block of Martin Luther King Jr. Drive in 2015. Like, it's, it's, it's just mind-bogglingly ironic, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know that, you know, all these Shit, the Black Power movement wasn't that long ago, so... That's true. I was legally playing with that shit. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, the, um, I believe the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March is going down in October. So what was the second one? Was that like an anniversary or they were just doing it again? Um, That was like the 10th anniversary, I believe, in 2005 or... Yeah. You know, what's the point? And you know, I think um, I think Al Sharpton was there. Oh, you did? Was Al Sharpton there? I don't even remember. It was kind of like how when we went to the um anniversary of the march on Washington. Like you're so far back, and you can barely hear people speak. And yeah, it was kind of like, I guess for me at the time, it was more um about the actual march down there than it was kind of hanging around. <laughs> So we walked from uh, Howard University campus down there with a whole group of people, and we all had on our shirts and all that. And then um, afterwards, uh, me and the people I was with, we went to uh, TGI Fridays. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, I was, I was going to say, did y'all go to TGI Fridays? You <laughs> did. <laughs> Um, you know, I, what was the what was that even for? What was the what was the first one for exactly? What did it accomplish? What did it do? Um, I don't know. I'm sure it did something, man. Give some people some credit. <laughs> oh, no, I just have I have a thing about these things. You know, maybe it got some black people to see Washington who never uh, would have gone there before. And they were all together in um, solidarity for the minister. Yeah, it's not to say it was a way for him to uh, to to, re- to remain relevant. <laughs> we had four, about four hundred thousand attendees. 
Well, actually, well, different people. Almost a million, some people would say. Uh, I mean, I you know, 400,000 is almost a million. So you had Ishmael Muhammad, of course, Benjamin Chavez, Martin Luther King III. I didn't know that. Oh, Maya Angelou, Rosa Parks, Reverend Jeremiah Wright, Senator Aldebert Bryan, Senator of the Virgin Islands, all right. Really? That's interesting. Oh, Jesse Jackson, Louis Farrakhan. Oh, okay, well, I don't know. I wonder, um, I wonder if, um, Pastor Manning is going to make an appearance. Man, man, Pastor Man has been doing his thing outside of the uh, the beat, the uh, the, the uh, um. Damn, I was about to say, no, the uh, the car. I was about to say BWI. <laughs> <laughs> outside of the uh, damn BMW shit, BMW. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did did you uh, did you see his latest on video? I didn't see it, man. What did he do and say now? <laughs> oh no, man! You know he's doing um, a thirty-six thirty-six hour protest outside of the B, the the uh, BMW thing. And why is he doing this again? Um, to get rid so they can stop supporting um MSNBC, who who supports the Al Sharpton. Mm. Because um they they protested outside of a like, giant restaurant which is mm-hmm. literally looks like a hole in the wall. And based on their protesting, they based on what Pastor Manny says, um, he got them to stop um, supporting NBC. And mm-hmm. so now they're moving to, to, and because of that, now he feels like they have momentum to go to be, to BMW. And, um, support, you know, like, um, you know, they have like a song um, about firing out Sharpton or something like that. And, um, because, you know, because he, like, I think for the past two days, he hasn't, like, put anything, well, I guess he only does it on weekdays. He hasn't put, like, any type, you know, anything, I guess, snippets from, like, the Manning Report on um, on his YouTube page, but then that, uh, that appeared, and he was just walking people through, like, you know, like, the protests and stuff like that. And he, he looks like he had maybe about 20, 20 30 people. Oh. And, um... He had, they had, they had like a whole, like, um, like a, a whole sound system down there. They had like two, three different, uh, weird vans and buses that, you know, that people were going to be sleeping on and eating on and stuff like that. So. Well, I just, um, I just Googled Al Sharpton versus Pastor Manning. First thing that comes up is Al Sharpton, King of Scum. Second thing that comes up, Al Nappyhead Ho Sharpton. <laughs> and the third is Al Sharpton is Obama's nappy-headed hoe. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know if these are biblical terms or what, but uh, um, get your money, Pastor Man, and you, uh, you got quite a hustler. <laughs> you got quite a hustler what? going on. That's the thing. I mean, I don't know if I, if I speculate. You know, I don't. I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably doesn't have like a, a really 
um, large congregation, but I mean, I'm assuming that he has like different donors all throughout the country that probably support him because it's strictly off of the fact that he doesn't like Obama. Yeah, and gays. <laughs> yeah, and gays, man. Like he he keeps going in on them, like. These shit, like the sermons, some of the sermons they put up, they tend to be like around gay people. And he tries to like go into like the, uh, you know, like the biological functions and all this other type of stuff. And like he's a scientist and people actually listen to him. <laughs> I mean, he has a PhD. Yeah, I guess so. What is his PhD supposed to be in anyway? Uh, some type of theology or something like that. Um, you know, he uh, created his own uh, institute, the uh, Atla Institute or whatever, and uh, he uh, that's where he got his PhD from. <laughs> oh man! I, I remember I saw that uh, when I was looking at his um his Wikipedia page, and um, I was like, hold up. This guy created his own school and gave himself a PhD. And then in his interview with the Young Turks, they actually pointed that out. Actually, I had to see that. What did he say about that? Oh, man, what did he say? I don't remember what he said, but he had some type of thing. I think they said something about it not being accredited and... I don't remember what he said. Probably something about the Lord and whatever. Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's some type of, like, university that's supposed to be opening up around Penn North or something like that. Wow. Uh, uh, I won't pass it. I mean, maybe that it's not happening no more, especially since the riots, but they kept saying, like, it's been some development, and I haven't, I haven't yet to see anyone start to develop the area, but, um, some type of like I guess some, some church university or something like that and you can get like your you can get degrees from. Mm. Um and you know, it's probably like, you know, four, five, six, seven doors down from everyone's place. Hmm. Um I know that um various um <clears throat> You know, conscious brothers and sisters, I think they started their own schools and universities and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those or maybe it's going to be accredited or something like that. That's 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 really interesting. Um, you know, um, 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 uh, my mother told me the other day that um, Sojourner Douglas College is um, closing down. No, because of the, the other news and money. Yeah, I think it's like a financial thing. Okay, well, I mean, I really only know about them through the uh, commercials. <laughs> but I guess they, that wasn't really good enough for them to get people. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they did like a lot of like nursing type stuff. So. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I mean, you would think that would be popping, you know. Everyone's becoming a nurse nowadays. Oh, no, no wonder it's closing down. 
See, uh, see, because it just how like the person I told you saying she, she really said that niggas is good now. That's why. Because the niggas is good now. That's why. Exactly why that, shit, that thing is not pro, not prospering the way it's supposed to. Oh, it's set to lose accreditation in June, according to the Baltimore Sun. It could, okay, it, it could close in June when it's set to lose accreditation in a rare move spurred by the private nonprofit institution's persistent financial troubles. <clears throat> so one, so I guess one thing that you have to have in order to be accredited is have money. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, I think for a school to be accredited, uh, a lot of it has to do with how they manage their finances and stuff like that. Well, you know, I, I can see that. I can see why that's a, a big thing. Yeah, because you don't want, you know, these schools just taking people's money and um, all that other type of stuff. But then at the same time, you know, I'm I'm anti uh, a lot of government mandated certifications and things of that nature because you know the things that are going to be accredited are the things that are approved and you know thought to be right so you know you could be getting like some type of education that may not be considered to be mainstream but you know might be right and accurate and all that type of stuff but it won't be uh, accepted Shit, even the accredited institutions aren't even seen as accredited in certain circles. Mm. Unfortunately, yeah, I've experienced it. Mm. (laughs) Um, Do you have a a timer on? I don't, but um, we should probably wrap this segment and uh, come back with some hip-hop talk. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Alright, so that's uh, part one of this episode. I think we should call it N Words is Good Now. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we'll, we'll call it. Alright, uh, peace out, people. We'll be right back. Peace. Feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. What would up, son? You gotta just do it, yo. Yo, what would up, man? It's a different channel, son. What would up? Hold on, man. Hold up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Hold up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. Hold up, yeah. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Whoa, face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime late. Catch more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Whoa, face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime late.